In just a few moments, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll have a video, a special video message from Pastor Bud. And this is really special because though we have several people traveling for the Labor Day holiday, there are some people in our church that have never been able to meet Bud face to face. But Pastor Bud became a Christian through a men's poker night and a nurse, and I don't know what the whole story is, but he came to Jesus, and he didn't just walk when he followed him. He started running. He was deep into the word. He was making up for lost time. He was uh, in love with God, and he was loving his neighbor. And what Pastor Bud was doing was living into leadership. He was living the life of someone who had a special heart for others. So Bud becomes a pastor in the first and only church that he's ever been involved with. And Bud was uh, a key instrument. We could not have become the neighborhood church in 2016 without Bud. Absolutely not. Bud was so vital, and he was an anchor for this community in starting what is now the neighborhood church. And Bud has been a dear brother and a dear friend and a pastor to me. And so by God's grace, as you're going to hear, he made it through an incredible journey. And it's a journey that he is still on. But I'll tell you that until recently, when Toby and Jason joined our elder team, it was he and I just walking along, figuring this thing out. And so now I want to say it's a very special thing now that we have four elders or pastors, which are people who are shepherding and leading the church and guiding the church. Tonight, we have a special moment where all four of these elders are participating in our service. Toby, who's an elder, led our scripture and prayer time. I was plugging away on a guitar and talking to you now. I'm an elder in this church. And then in a few moments, Jason will facilitate communion, but we get to hear a word from Pastor Bud. And though you may not see him or have met him face to face because of COVID and the journey he's going to describe to you, know that he has prayed for you. And I don't mean that in some sense of, hey, we'll pray for you, Bud, and then you kind of go out and do your own thing. Understand that while Bud isn't here face to face, he's not just here on the live stream. He is with you in prayer. And though he doesn't know you or see your face, he knows your name. He's heard from the other elders and he is laboring weekly for our community. And the reason I love this so much is because Bud is committed to this church and he's committed to Jesus. Tell me if you've heard these words. I, so-and-so, take you, so-and-so, to be my wedded wife. Can you help me? To have and to hold from what? This day forward, for better or for what? Worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death. Do us part. I pledge myself to you. These are words of commitment. These are vows of intent. These are some of the traditional words that is one thing to say when you're behind a floral arch 
and someone standing there in a beautiful gown or an expensive tux. It's another to say these words surrounded by friends and family. And it's another thing to say it because you're about to party and then go on a honeymoon. But it's a whole other thing to live these words, right? I did a wedding recently where we said these words. And it occurred to me after that wedding that the next couple, Lord willing, I get to journey with, I'm going to take these vows and sit in an imaginative exercise before the wedding and have them really imagine what it will look like with this person to live the worst part, not just the better part. When it's tough and the butterflies have vacated and you just have to choose to keep walking. I want to sit with a couple and say, now imagine that it's in sickness and not in health. This is the person that you'll stand beside in the hospital room. This is the person that you'll help to the bathroom. This is the person that you'll pray for and cry for and beg God to heal. Is this still the person you want to live these vows with? How about the poorer and not richer? To understand that there may come a day when you don't get that promotion, you don't get that dream job, you might lose that job, and you're scraping and wondering what the next step is. The next time I sit with a couple, so brace yourself if you're hearing this and you're thinking I might do your wedding, I want to to envision your life together when real life happens. The reason I mention this is because Bud is a living example of someone who stood before Jesus many years ago and said, I choose to follow you for richer or for poorer because we pay him a little, but we don't pay him that much. In fact, Bud pastored for free for over a decade. He knows what it means to live that kind of vow for Jesus. Bud said yes to Jesus and has been on a journey with a disease that doctors told him would kill him 25 years ago. He's learned to follow Jesus in sickness and in health. He's learned with a wife and daughters beside him to walk with Jesus and his family and this community when it's worse and not better. What can we do? Will we still walk with the one who never stops walking with us? I've learned from Bud. You're going to hear from Bud an encouragement of what the last nine and a half months has been of a living, breathing testimony of trying to live these vows even when it's difficult. At the end of the message, he'll give us four reminders, four encouragements, and then Jason will come and land the plane and lead us in a time of communion knowing that though Bud may not be here in this room, he is certainly with us and a vital part of our community and God's kingdom. So without further ado, I hope you're encouraged this evening 
from one story of how to follow Jesus through the hills and valleys in this difficult season. Let's watch. I just wanted to catch you all up on what's been going on with me the last uh, nine and a half months or so. I'm actually going to jump back all the way to May 14th of last year. I went in for a um, transplant visit with uh, doing all my testing and met with the doctor afterwards, and he kind of let me know he had no good news for me. Said that uh, my numbers had really gone down in the last month, <clears throat> and um, I'd probably be ready for be listed for a transplant. But there are a couple of complications that the uh, transplant... They just don't do, if you're over 65, more than one lung. And since I had the pseudomonas for the last year and a half, as well as the alpha-1, one, uh, one lung wouldn't do any good because the pseudomonas would just transfer to the good lung and uh, continue on. So they wouldn't do a double lung transplant because the odds of surviving even the operation were less than 40%. So he goes, but you're in pretty good shape, and I'm going to fight for you, but it's a nine-member committee, and uh, he goes, I know the surgeons are all going to be against it, and the administration's going to be against it, because, uh, you know, they like their stats, but I'm going to go to battle for you if uh, you want, so go ahead and figure out what you think you want to do, and... Uh, let me know. We meet next Friday. So I kind of left in a stupor, and I think I called Pastor Adam on the way home and told him the situation. We prayed, and then I got home and sat Robin down and explained the whole situation to her, and she was just kind of like, wow, yep. And uh, we prayed, and it was just a good time of uh, a lot of prayer and discernment and kind of came down to where nothing looked like a great option. And then one day in my quiet time in prayer, all of a sudden it just kind of hit me, you know, really it's down to two options. And one is that I continue on with the kingdom work as long as I can here on earth. Or the other, I get to be with Jesus. And really those two weren't so bad. So later on in that same little time, I just felt like I was just wrapped in Jesus' loving arms and just had the sense of God saying, I got this. So told Robin about this and all, and she was on board. So I decided to uh, go ahead with the transplant if the committee would approve me. And then I thought, well, <clears throat> pardon me, I better let the uh, committee know that when I was in there last week with the doctor, I just didn't sound real positive. So I sent this email, and I'll actually read it to you. sent it on May 19th, the day after my birthday last year. The committee again was re meeting on May 20th. And here's what I said. I felt I needed to let you know something before your committee meeting on 520. I didn't want you to read anything into my quietness during my appointment last week. I was in shock over the severity of all the possibilities 
of which none sounded very good at the time. After praying and processing for a few days with my beautiful bride, I wanted to let you know that the transplant seems like the best viable option. And I, we are up to fighting the good fight if the committee decides a transplant is a possibility. I truly trust that you and the committee will have my best interests and best quality of life options in the forefront of your discussions. I do respect your expertise and experience and look forward to the committee's decision. Peace, bud. Well, May 20th they met, and God intervened. The committee approved the transplant, and I was listed August 2nd. Well, let me tell you, I had to answer every single phone call, spam calls, unknown callers, unavailable numbers, and I never realized how many home warranties and auto warranties and Medicare calls a person could get. So they kept on, and I just, you know, kept answering the phone, and then all of a sudden, it came to be, uh, I don't know, I guess the beginning of November, and I thought November, December, holidays, never going to have the transplant now. So it won't happen until next year. So we went out and got our Thanksgiving turkey and got all that stuff ready. And then uh, it was November 14th. Got up and I spent time with God and reading scripture and prayer and had a bowl of cereal and was looking through the newspaper. And uh, yeah, some of us old guys still read the newspaper. And then, all of a sudden, the phone rang. Unknown caller. I'm like, oh, what are they doing calling on a Sunday? And lo and behold, it was a transplant team. And they said, we have lungs for you. They said, can you make it to the hospital in two hours? And I said, sure. So Robin was out in the backyard, and I called her in, and set her down and just simply said it's go time and then we called Lindsay in and told her what was going to be happening and we all prayed together let me tell you it's kind of like having your first baby you're prepared but jumping into action is invigorating to say the least at this point I want to state that I'm not going to name any names in this testimony when I talk about specific acts you will know what you participated in. I believe every member of TNC and people on six continents were blessing us, whether through prayer, physical work, monetary gifts, meals, flowers, cards, and the amazing drawings so many of you children drew for me. They were hung all over my hospital rooms. People came in just to see the wall of great art. Well, I drove to the hospital thinking it was be a dry run because usually you have one or two dry runs where the lungs don't look good when the surgeons get them. They aren't going to fit. You know, they just don't like them. And you just go home and wait for another pair of lungs to become available. Well, not in my case. They looked great and I was prepped for surgery. Friends came by to pick up Lindsay from the hospital other friends came by and spent the night with Robin in the hospital. 
Robin and I prayed, told each other how much we loved each other, and they rolled me away at 7.15 to the OR. On the way to the OR, I just felt at peace and wrapped in Jesus' arms. The transplant took about 10 hours, two hours longer than normal, uh, because my old lungs were like uh, rotten old sponge. Normally, they just pull out the old lung in one piece, and mine came out in like 50 little sections. They just had to really work to get all of it out. Uh, there's another blessing that uh, without the transplant, I probably wouldn't have lived even a year with the condition the lungs were in. Well, after the transplant took place, I was a superhero. I was up and walking, eating, um, not too much pain, all within five days. So I thought I'd soon be entered in the Guinness Book of World Records transplant version. Well, I figured that I'd be home around Christmas time, and I was transferred to Baylor Rehab on December 6th. Two days after I was there at rehab doing my exercises and getting ready to get in shape enough to get home, I went over to the hospital to get a bronchoscopy. Well, superhero no longer. Uh, they found two pneumonias, a bacterial infection, a viral infection, and a fungal infection. I called Guinness and told him to hold the presses. Well, I was back in ICU for about a month and a half, and I felt God had this all under control. Not sure the doctors did, or anyone else did, but I was really at peace. I felt prayers lifted up by you all and others around the world, and I know God heard these because miracle after miracle was being just uh, performed on my behalf. Um, and while feeling all your prayers, I didn't waste my time just laying there. I mean, I prayed for all of you and your families, um, probably more than I ever have because I had a lot of time laying around there. So um, I hope uh, you were blessed by some of those prayers. Now, I knew this would be a battle for quite a while, so I didn't want to waste the time while I was there. Baylor has a chaplain, a very good one. I met him and talked with him. and uh, Then, for some reason, word got out that I was a pastor. And uh, the staff and other families at the hospital kind of started coming to me. Well, let me just give you three examples of things that happened that I thought were a great blessing. Two times I was transported over to uh, the hospital uh, down through. There's a real neat long tunnel that actually goes from the Roberts building over to rehab and um, to the different testing facilities. And uh, it goes under Gaston Avenue. It's a real neat little thing. Never knew it existed. And twice the transplant people were just explaining to me that, you know, one was having an aunt that had to go on hospice care and just wasn't expected to make it for another week or so and couldn't figure out if she could get there or not. And 
I said, you mind stopping the gurney right here in this tunnel and we'll pray? And she goes, oh, would you? And so we prayed. And then another one was having a lot of family issues. And I just told her, I said, can we stop here in the tunnel and let me pray for you? And she's like, yes, please. Well, within two weeks, both of them came back by my room. They tracked me down and just gave me a hug and said, oh, thank you so much. I was able to, I said, for what? And she goes, the prayers. And I said, don't thank me, thank God. And um, one of them said that her aunt was able to not go on hospice and was able to go home with home health, and she was able to make it out there and see her. And the other one, the family issues were just getting settled down and uh, were looking much better. So I just kind of let them know that uh, God is great, isn't he? And then another time, a nurse walked in after the housekeeping was just there into my room, and she took a nasty fall. And she was like three months pregnant. And by the time I was able to, you know, make sure she was okay and she was able to get up, I asked her to sit on the edge of the bed, and I just prayed for her and her baby. And she went and saw her doctor the next day, and uh, the doctor said, oh, baby's fine, and I don't know how you didn't break any bones either. But uh, this is just a miracle because she was bruised from her hip all the way down her thigh. And uh, so she was very grateful. And I just uh, said, yep, God is good. And my third story about uh, my pastoring in the uh, hospital was, and there are many more, but I'm just going to keep it to three, was a nurse's tech that came in. It was a young man, and he came in and said, You're a pastor, aren't you? And I said, Yes. And he goes, I got a problem. And I said, Okay, what's the problem? And he said, Well, I'm about to be baptized in two weeks. And I said, That doesn't sound like a problem. And he goes, Yeah, but, you know, this church I'm going to, they want me to give a 30-minute testimony and I'm not good at talking in front of people. And I said, I'm not either. And he goes, would you mind if I came in in a day or two and just kind of read my testimony to you? And uh, I said, no problem at all. So a couple of days later, 3 o'clock in the morning, he came in. That's 3 a.m. Of course, you know, there's no time. The hospital is like Vegas. And he goes, hey, Mind if I read this to you now? And I said, not a problem. So he read it to me. And I just said, man, that is absolutely beautiful. And uh, he goes, it stinks. I know it. And I said, nope, it's perfect. He goes, but it's only 10 minutes. And I said, you know something? This is a covenant between you and God. And uh, the church will just have to get over it. If they don't, come talk to me. I'll baptize you. So anyway, two weeks later, he came in and he gave me a big hug. And he simply said, I did it, and I don't think I could have without your encouragement. And I simply smiled at him and said, welcome to the kingdom, brother. Well, I also want to say Robin was absolutely awesome talking with staff and other patients and
uh, families in the hospital. She was always flitting around, talking with them, and they would seek her out, and they'd just get together, have coffee, or meet in a room and pray, and it was just absolutely a beautiful thing to see her in action. And I'm going to take partial credit for this, because I know I was just absolutely driving her crazy, and she was seeking solace anywhere in the hospital but in my presence. Well, the doctors never spoke specifically about God, but I could tell the believers, and I knew God was at work in them. And how I could tell is because so many would say, well, we've seen all these complications before, but never in one person. We don't know how you're surviving this. And I'd simply say, God makes all things possible. Well, my kudos to the whole team at Baylor, from the dishwashers to the doctors, and all those in between. They made it uh, just a, a, as good of an experience as it could be with expert loving care. Now, <clears throat> why this testimony takes so long to get together? It's your fault. Because it involves the thank yous. Every time I tried to tape this, I just start crying, which I'm almost doing now. I just can't believe the support you gave me and my family. They were both beautifully, just beautiful and humbling. Starting with the phone calls and visits. Many of you at TNC called, many dropped by, including family from live locally to Austin and sister up in Wisconsin and daughter in Australia and other friends and neighbors. I want to thank you for all the meals, the gift cards, the financial support from the TNC folks brothers and sisters that no longer attend TNC, friends and neighbors. It's so humbling, but such a relief to help take some of the burden off of our precarious situation. Thank you, TNC, for the medical equipment. Most from Ramon's rehab. Thanks for the hand-me-downs, Ramon. But some new also. Now TNC will have a full line of home health care equipment. So if anybody needs it in the future, we should have you covered. Well, homecoming was May 2nd. Didn't get discharged till about 9.45 p.m. And when we pulled up at 10.15 p.m., I just couldn't believe it, but there are members from TNC there waiting to greet me in the front yard. I just melted and began to sob right there. It felt so great to be reunited with my kingdom family. Well, I was wheeled into the house and immediately began sobbing again, looking over the remodel 
I believe every member of TNC helped in this project, as well as previous church members, family, friends, neighbors. The house is absolutely beautiful. And I don't think I underestimate, don't think I underestimate the back-breaking labor, the time, the financial support this took to accomplish. From demo to installing the new tile, packing, moving furniture, unpacking, and cleaning. And this all came about from one of my dear church members here. They remembered back at the beginning, about 10 years ago, when the doctor said, if you ever get a transplant, you're going to have to get rid of those nasty old rugs. It won't be good for the new lungs. Well, he remembered this and orchestrated the project. And then beyond this, a few of you decided that the back deck needed replacing. So, a neighbor, a TNC member, a couple past TNC members, and a friend came and replaced the back deck and built a beautiful pergola cover. And thanks to those who mowed our lawns, fixed our car at no expense, did our quarterly pest control at no expense. I said I'm not going to use names, but if you need any help mechanical-wise or pest control, give me a call. Lastly, but not leastly, I want to thank my beautiful bride, Robin, and our beautiful daughter, Lindsay. They've been my support from the beginning right up to today. Yep, I'm using their names. I'm grateful because I felt that I was a tremendous burden, both physically and mentally, to them. Yet they never wavered in their faith, love, support, and encouragement. I'm sure I've admitted some of the blessings that you have bestowed on me and my family. But if I named everything, I'd be here for four hours. I've participated many times in God's people's work. But being on the receiving end... It's so amazing that I am so humbled and grateful to all of you. I guess I'll wrap this up with four key points that stand out to me. Number one, when stuck, be still and be attentive to God. Number two, carry on with kingdom work no matter what your circumstances. Number three, little blessings you do make, or the little blessings you do, make a huge impact on those receiving them. Be alert to opportunities. And number four, God's kingdom is amazing. Don't hide it. Share it. 
Please be aware that God is still working miracles today. I love you all, and I'm looking forward to watching, not to watching, I'm looking forward to catching up with your lives and humbling, humbly serving you again soon. God bless. So um, now I know why Adam asked me to do this part. How do you, what do you do after that? Come on. Uh, so Bud is a little like the, uh, the anti-Wizard of Oz. Like, like Wizard of Oz, you hear all these amazing things and you show up and it's just a guy, right? He's just a con man. And, and uh, Bud, like for those who haven't met him, I'm sure he seems like a good guy. But... <coughs> Like, the more time you spend with him, uh, the more you realize he, he's a giant in, in the work of the Lord and for our community. Um, you know, when, when he was going in for surgery, I was there as well, going in for a much less serious surgery. Uh, same day, a couple floors apart, and uh, I was super nervous about it. And uh, uh, right after, and, and I wake up, I, you know, we realized I had a, a voicemail uh, that came uh, right before I went in. And it was Bud waiting on his surgery, laying in his bed, waiting to be wheeled in, praying for me and telling me that he loved me. And, man, that, that is who he is all the time such a gift to us and uh and we love him father thank you so much for uh for bud and his life and sustaining him and all that you've done through him lord he has brought you so much glory uh every time we try to pay him any glory he just turns it right back on you and uh he is such a blessing and encouragement uh, thank you for our brother. Thank you for our sister and Robin, and our sister and Lindsay. <clears throat> Lord, just uh, help us continue to be present to them. And Father, uh, help their lives and their stories continue to uh, encourage others, build others up, and point others towards you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Now, as we leave this place, remember that we are led by the shepherd and we do not go alone. In the green pastures and still waters, in the darkest valley, at the banquet table, in the hard work of life, at the, moment, at the moments of ease, in our day-to-day -day reality, at times set aside, like this time, now for worship, for listening, for paying attention with every step we take. Goodness and mercy follow us, and our shepherd walks beside us. May your cup overflow. Go in peace.